Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. In 2022, listen to these numbers, please, ladies and gentlemen. 18.4% of people in the 10 provinces of this country lived in a food insecure household. That amounts to 6.9 million people, including almost 1.8 million children, living in households that struggle to afford the food they need. Nobody can walk away from this. You cannot turn your back on this. 1.8 million kids living in households struggling to afford the food they need. And this is a considerable increase from 2021. Uh, my guest is the co-author of a comment titled, Food Charity Will Not Fix Food Insecurity. Our guest is Professor Valerie Tarasuk at the Department of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Toronto, founding investigator at Proof, a research program studying food insecurity and how to reduce it. Professor Tarasuk, thank you very much for joining us. We last talked about a year ago. Things were wor- Things were really bad then. But they're worse now. Can you can you just give us a snapshot of of what Canadians facing food security or fa- insecurity are facing? And and I and I tend to want to drop food insecurity and just say hunger. Yeah. Well, the measurement that was used to create the statistics that you just described um, is eighteen questions that range in severity from people worrying about running out of food and not having money for more through to uh, compromising the quality of what they eat or the quantity of what they eat. At its most extreme, question number 18, is children going whole days without eating because of a lack of food or money for food? How many days? I'm sorry. How many days? Very, very few people say yes to that number 18. But I offer this spectrum to you just to give you a sense of how serious the levels of deprivation are that are being measured here. So 18.4%, 1.8 million children living in households that are struggling like this. It's very bad news for Canada. How many days are children going without food? Question 18. It would, the question is, have, has, has your child ever gone a whole day in the last year okay. without eating because of a lack of food or money for food? And then if you say yes to that, then it's how often. But like I say, it's very, very rare that anybody says yes to that. It's much more common for us to um, see adults reporting going whole days without eating. But usually in households where there are children, adults will do everything they can to make sure those children have something. Yeah. In 2021, was the number of children facing food insecurity uh, 1.4 million, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's 400,000 more. Yeah, yeah, actually more than 400,000 is the increase. I mean, it's terrible because the rate of food insecurity rose substantially between 2021 and 2022, and most of that increase is families with children. So I read the comment that you co-wrote, 
And uh, in, in the comment, you indicate the prime minister insists that uh, a program of his government is fulfilling the government's priority of, quote, making life more affordable for Canadians. And you wrote, the federal approach and food policy is deeply misguided because Ottawa assumes food charities are resolving hungry Canadians' food needs, and that's not happening at all. Just provide us that story, please. Well, what we've seen over the last few months is the federal government launching another call for applications for something called the Local Food Infrastructure Fund. So this is funding that goes to community organizations to uh, pay for transportation and uh, warehousing and things like that to help them move more donations, primarily from food industry, through the food bank system. So what we're saying in that commentary is that we think this is wrong-handed, that we know from our work and work that other people have done in Canada that most people who are food insecure don't use food banks, and those who do are not rendered food secure by the act of, of obtaining food charity. So for the federal government to be leaning so heavily on charities right now to try to mitigate this problem or manage this problem at the community level it's really a bad idea because there's nothing that we know to suggest that they're going to be capable of managing the situation. I mean, they haven't been able to keep the problem at bay and they're not going to be able to. And, and you know, I know that might sound harsh to some people, but I'm not saying anything that food bank operators haven't been saying for years. I mean, they've repeatedly said this problem is bigger than us. You know, we need policy changes to, to, to you know, go upstream and deal with the drivers of this problem, not more food charity. But sadly, we're not seeing that from our federal government yet. And the federal government keeps cheering itself about, uh, you know, patting itself on the back about the Canada Child Benefit, providing more money to the lowest income households. How helpful is that? Well, it, it's obviously not good enough, or you and I wouldn't be having this conversation today. No, we wouldn't. I mean, for us to see such a dramatic increase in food insecurity over the last year, and particularly an increase amongst families with children, that suggests to me that the Canada Child Benefit isn't working. I mean, this increase that we're reporting has happened during a period of unprecedented in inflation. So food price inflation, but also inflation and rent and uh, costs of other basic needs. I think the Canada Child Benefit simply hasn't been designed in a way that it's, it's managing or mitigating those price hikes for the lowest income families. You know, Professor Tarasak, as I look at this number, 6.9 million people, including 1.8 million children living in households that struggle to afford the food they need, if we took all those people and put them in a city, you'd have pretty close, if not in fact, the largest city in Canada. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And remember, we're only talking about the 10 provinces and the way the data are collected for this particular survey, they don't include people living on First Nations um, reserves. So this has to be an underestimate, but you're absolutely right. 6.9 million would be bigger than the population of the greater Toronto area. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, we're talking a huge number of people. Yeah. What kind of headline would it be if all of a sudden you had, I, I went on the air and I said, everybody in the largest city of Canada is going hungry. Yeah. 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 We wouldn't be talking about anything else. No. And, and what's terrible about this is that we know that 
it's not just that today there are people who will be struggling to get enough to eat and to, you know, they'll be worried about where, where their next meal is coming from. It's not just that. That we know that this problem of food insecurity has health implications, both in the short run and in the long run. And so those 1.8 million children, like, they're not getting the same life chances as other children in this country. Mm-hmm. And some of them, those who are in severely deprived circumstances, we can expect them to develop uh, mental and physical health problems coming going forward and uh, to be managing those problems for the rest of their lives. So from a health perspective, you know, this should be ringing alarm bells all over the country. Yeah. Now, this is an abstract to me. I actually lived that when I was a kid. Yeah. So let me just come back to the issue of the food charities, Professor Tarasek, and in that piece that you co-wrote, um, you say that food charity as a strategy, it's desperation for food insecure Canadians. It's not the answer. It might be a temporary fix for a day or two, but it's not the answer. Uh, where does it fit into the, into the entire picture and what has to happen? What's, what, do you, what has to happen? Well, what's disturbing about food charity as it fits in the entire picture, I think, is that right now it's all we're doing. And that's been true for decades, right? The first food bank appeared in Canada in 1981. So we're well past 40 years now. And it's concerning that we continue to lean so heavily on community-based charitable food assistance programs to try to manage this problem. I mean, obviously they can't, or these numbers wouldn't be continuing to rise. But it's 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 a problem because right now, if someone is unable to afford the food they need, that's the only thing they can do. Um, you know, it's, it's all anybody offers. And we've heard reports for weeks, months now, of food banks and major centers saying they're absolutely overwhelmed with demand, they can't keep up. Um, you know, people are turning for help because it's what they need to do, but it, it simply isn't enough. So we really need to see, especially at the federal level, we need to see a, a, a strategy now that is a bit more evidence-based and, and more enduring than simply, you know, putting up a fund for food banks to buy more refrigerated vehicles. Yeah. Do you know, I was just thinking as you were speaking that in some ways, this is an easy crisis, relatively easy crisis to hide because people don't want to talk about it. People are struggling, don't want to talk about it. Yes. It's very difficult yes. to have your neighbors or your even your family know that you can't afford food. That's that's tough. And it's a very difficult thing to do. And and you point out again in this piece that you co-wrote, having a job isn't a, uh, alone isn't enough to resolve food insecurity for many people in this country. By our estimate, about two thirds of households that are food insecure are reliant on employment incomes. Probably many more than that receive some employment income. But about two-thirds, the main source of income is employment. And you're absolutely right. This is a very um, stigmatized, a very humiliating condition to be in, right? Um, So you're right. If Statistics Canada wasn't collecting these numbers, we would know very little about the extent of deprivation in our society. Um, Because it, it is something that's largely hidden. And the numbers of people turning up in food banks, you know, food banks are the canary in the coal mine on this problem. But those numbers are small relative to the magnitude of the problem in the country overall. 
Do you think the numbers will get worse? No, I don't know. What's interesting, the data that we're talking about today were collected between, people were interviewed between January and June of 2022. And we know that that was a period of very, very high inflation. What's happened in the last little while are a couple of things. Like last month, um, people who were eligible received what the federal government called the grocery rebate, right? Uh, another GST credit. So a one-off payment, but still a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah, public relations um, exercise. Sorry. Sorry? I, I think it's a public relations exercise, but anyway. Well, so they, they got that little bit of money, but then in July, the Canada Child Benefit um, increased because it, it was indexed to inflation. Mm-hmm. So it increased by 6.3 or something percent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the this month, people who are low income will and those with children will be doing marginally better than they were last month. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.